Coming to you live from a fogged out apartment somewhere in the United States, it's the TH Cinema Podcast. to the TH Cinema Podcast. My name is Dan, and with me as always is the partridges to my pear tree. I really enjoy these Christmas intros. <laughs> the five golden rings to my 72 fucking birds. <laughs> <laughs> Snort. Hi. Silent John. Hello. And Frank couldn't be here tonight. So we just finished smoking a little bit of weed. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little more than a little bit because we just had like a two-hour-long production meeting, <laughs> and it was a productive production meeting in the consumption of marijuana, at least. And a burger. Oh yeah, we consumed burgers. <laughs> Don't forget the funnel cake fries. Oh, I'll never forget the funnel cake fries. <laughs> but funnel cake fries aside, <laughs> we just finished getting really, really high. Yes. <laughs> As we've said. I was just coming back around. Okay, all right. And tonight, it's my turn to give a present to the podcast. And I kind of cheated a little bit on this one. Because my dear friend John over here had showed me a trailer. And 30 seconds in, I was like, this is going to be my movie pick. <laughs> So I might have stolen the present that he was going to give, and now I'm giving it back to him. So I'm like a thief Santa Claus. <laughs> I mean, you're just re-gifting probably one of my most anticipated gifts, so I, there's no way I could be mad at you in this scenario. I just feel a little like a bad Santa. I'll treat you like a bad Santa. Ooh. Okay, I like that concept, but also I think that maybe Silent John had this on his wish list, and then you swept in and got it, and he didn't get it because he still hasn't seen it. Okay, so either way involved, let's look at it like this. Dan brought a big cake for everybody to eat, <laughs> and John said, I like cake also. I, yeah, I think everybody wins in this scenario. Honestly, I mean, I'll share my cake anytime, especially when it's a Shannon cake. Yeah, because it is a Shannon cake, because the gift that I'm giving to you that you already know what it is, is we're going to be watching a movie called Potterville. Potter, Pottersville? Pot- I think Pottersville? I Pottersville? Think, I think it's Pottersville. <laughs> Suffice to say, we don't know a lot about this movie. <laughs> um, I know two things about this movie. Uh, first thing, Michael Shannon. The second thing, furries. And me personally, I'm a simple man. Those two things is all it takes. That's all it takes to get you going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm drawn to pretty much anything Michael Shannon does. And that ambitious aspect we're going to be tackling tonight, really, I don't know. Right, this this movie could be batshit insane. I, I, What are we going to watch? What is this? Yeah, I have no idea. I, too, am a Shan fan. <laughs> <laughs> that was shantastic. Thank you. So I'm excited. I got maybe 30 seconds into this trailer and I was all in because I saw the Shan putting a fucking furry suit on. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be fucking weird. 
It's Christmas themed, and it's got the Shannon in it. And we only know it's Christmas themed from like the movie poster because it has like Christmas lights. So who knows how Christmassy this movie actually is? I'm guessing whatever troubles they get into just happens to happen during December. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, that does happen during December because December is Christmas time. And Christmas time is a special time of year because it's the time when the radio station that's number four on your memory flips over from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today to straight Christmas music. So I don't know about y'all, but I throw together my like Christmas Spotify playlist. And it's kind of a growing Spotify playlist every year based on what the new Christmas banger that has come out is. So I got to ask you guys, is there anything on your Spotify Christmas playlist that you've added this year? You know, Dan, I surprisingly have an answer to this because I don't... I don't traditionally just go to Christmas music. I don't I don't seek it out on Spotify, but this year I did. I got reacclimated with an old metal Christmas I used to really enjoy. A band August Burns Red uh has a Christmas album. And it's it's really just an instrumental thing where they're just riffing on Christmas songs and it is just fantastic. I recommend it to everybody. Snort, what do you got? Um so I don't have any like new Christmas songs this year. My go-to that I've already made you guys watch the video to multiple times is the Do They Know It's Christmas? Okay, so the, like, 80s one, I mean, it's solid. It's good, obviously. But the 2014 one just has a special place in my heart. And I love that video. Does that special place in your heart fill a hairy-sized hole? (laughs) It does. Insert eye roll right about here. The styles clash can do no wrong, my friend. I uh, thankfully get to watch this every year myself. It's a brilliant video. Yeah, because I really just like like the pop music holiday m- songs. Like Jonas Brothers have some songs out. Uh, the Justin Bieber songs are good. In sync, those are my favorites. I mean, they are catchy. I will say. I did pick up a uh, old banger myself this year. A little bit of Beach Boys. Oh. Came on one of my like random like rotating like Discovery Christmas playlists. Right, right. And I was like, ooh, I haven't heard that in a hot minute. Ooh, that's going in there. I didn't know the Beach Boys had a holiday album. Neither did I, but guess what? Be seeking that one out for sure. <laughs> Love that. Is it the classic holiday songs or is it originals? Original. It's oh, it's a, yeah. the Christmas comes each time each year. Oh, I know that song. Merry Christmas. Oh hell yeah. Well, way up north where the air is. Oh okay. You've uh, helped me rediscover pre- something here. Yeah. See, I I rediscovered that t- this week. Wow, that is. You're just gifting so many things tonight. Damn you. The other banger that's made its way onto my playlist is the stupid fucking song from the Guardians of the Galaxy special. Is it the one that you showed us? Yes. Okay. We still haven't watched it, unfortunately. Every fucking morning, this song is literally baked into my fucking head. <laughs> Every morning for the last week. Pun intended. I, I can't. I can't get rid of it. I need. I, I can't. 
But isn't that just like the gift that keeps on giving? When you find a song that you enjoy so good that's like a seasonal song, you can listen to it for years and years now. And now you're zero degrees from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I don't know. It just it, it's the gift that keeps on giving, but like it's giving too much. Like stop. It's just annoying. Stop. Like you're already getting burnt out. Get out of my head. <laughs> I just want to wake up and not have that thought in my head one day this week. We need to find you, I guess, a third Christmas banger to get this one out. I have been doing a lot of trap Christmas playlists though. <laughs> if you just keep that going, eventually. Those are always fun. Yeah, but the best way to get my mind off of anything is to put something in my mouth. <laughs> well, that's your lucky t- Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Because once I get a little snacky snacky going, all these little earwormy songs start going away and my brain's just like, ooh, snacks. Well, what's your go-to Christmas snack? Well, there, there, was, a, there was a problem this week with the go-to Christmas snack. What? Yeah. So I went to the local Kroger store this week. In search of my favorite Christmas snack of all time. The little Debbie Christmas tree. Oh yeah, classic. The best. The Kroger was out of little Debbie Christmas trees. So me being the determined motherfucker I am, went to a second Kroger. And you know what I came to find out? What? They too are out. What? <laughs> Of the little Debbie Christmas trees. We are in the midst of a little Debbie Christmas tree shortage here, people. Oh my, sound the alarms. I will say, as I'm not as big of a fan of them as the two of you are, even I think that's a travesty. How, do, how does that happen? Who let that happen? I'm not trying to panic the citizenry or anything. I'm not trying to incite any incidences. But there is a big problem with the Little Debbie Christmas Tree supply chain right now. And I'm pretty sure that there's something going on that we don't know about. Can we just blame Elon Musk for this? I just feel like it's somehow his fault. (laughs) It very likely is. I'm on board with that. Elon Musk and Kanye West have conspired against... The Little Debbie Christmas Trees. The reason your store is at the Little Debbie Christmas Trees is because Elon Musk and Kanye West. You heard it here, people. I'm really, really getting, like, Woody Harrelson, Zombieland vibes from you right now. Like, you're going to go on, like, a mass rampage because, like, Twinkies disappeared. But in your world, Christmas tree, Little Debbie (laughs) disappeared. Christmas comes but once a year. I, I totally understand. There should be a panic right now. See, but what I'm really worried about is that little Debbie put out a like inflatable Christmas tree for like to put on your lawn that's branded with little Debbie, and they were selling that motherfucker for a hundred dollars. It's a lot of dough. You know what they sold out of? Little Debbie inflatable Christmas trees. So I'm worried that little Debbie's like, fuck, we can make all this money off inflatables. 
the fuck are we doing in the snack cake market making these Christmas trees? We could just sell people the concept of a Christmas tree, Little Debbie snack cake, and not the actuality of the Little Debbie snack cake. Wait, wait, wait. So you're you're saying you think Little Debbie is just slowly, just slowly kind of backing away from the snack cake business just to focus. (laughs) Now hear me out, just to focus on inflatables only. You got to think about all the packaging you're saving. No, 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 no. You were just talking about trying to prevent like a mass like incident happening. The day that they transition from snack cakes to inflatables, the world will catch fire. Imagine a world where all the old milk cream pies, all the cosmic brownies. Why should you have to go with your mind? Because everybody loses in this. All them honey buns are nothing but inflatables. You can look at them. You can touch them even. But you can't consume them. Guys, Debbie called. She's not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if anyone out there has a line on little Debbie snack cake Christmas trees, hit us up on the Instagram. Let me know. No distance is too far (laughs) for Dan to travel for little Debbie. Christmas tree snackies. Will you get me a box while you're out? <laughs> Can I just save you the hassle? We'll make a P.O. box. Send us all the Christmas trees. <laughs> all the snack cakes. No inflatables. No inflatables. <laughs> hey, I would take one. I reject the concept of inflatable Christmas trees. <laughs> so yeah, that that's my favorite uh, Christmas snack. <laughs> Thank you for coming to your TED Talk. You know what? I don't have one now. Little Debbie has <laughs> has ruined the fire in me. I still have one, though. Okay, Little Debbie snack cakes are good. Uh, they're up there with mine. Uh, but one thing that I ha- Okay, actually, two things that I have to have every season is the Ghirardelli peppermint bark, like little chocolate squares. Those are delicious. And... A chocolate orange. Dark chocolate orange. Mm. Oh, that, those are good choices. That's what makes it feel like Christmas. Those are the last two items on my list. <laughs> like Those sound like the worst. I'm so sorry. Oh, you know what I saw at the, 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 the Kroger when I wasn't getting Little Debbie snack cakes? You had to pivot to something else? I did pivot. I did pivot. Because Hershey's came out with the little kisses, but they've got like stuff on the inside. Kind of like a Fiero truffle type thing where there's like marshmallow stuff on the inside and they're like s'mores flavored or they have mint ones. Solid little like Hershey Kiss truffle bites. Like a little like Hershey explosion kind of thing. In your mouth. Pow. Those sound nice. I mean, do you still have some here? Uh, They're in my car. They're my car candy. It's it's cold enough to have car candy right now when it's chocolate. Yeah. That's just smart thinking. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And the most wonderful time of the year is Christmas. And tonight for our Christmas movie, we are watching this Potter, Potterville, Pottersville movie. One of those was right. With the Shaman Man. Potheads? Yeah. Checks out. <laughs> All of the above applies. And Michael Shannon is one of the guys that we really, like, fucking stand the fuck out of on this show. There's a couple of them. We all do have our personal preferences to who kind of makes that kind of Michael Shannon list in our heads. 
So aside from the Sham Man himself, who else is on our our favorite as people will follow their career type actors? I think mine probably main one is Jake Gyllenhaal. Love me some Jake Gyllenhaal. I'll watch anything he's in. So much so that I watched that stupid ambulance movie <laughs> that was terrible. Not my kind of movie at all. And I still watched it only because Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. That movie was a ride. <laughs> boy, oh boy. No, Jake Gyllenhaal's a good one for sure. I, I think for me, I, I can't never not give love to Willem Dafoe. I am drawn to anything that man does. I guess one could say I'm very fond of him. He's just, he's such a captivating actor who I just think gives so many unique, brilliant performances. Uh, you you never know what you're going to get with the guy. He gives it his all, and I, I love it. All right. Well, Spider-Man villains aside. Ooh. <laughs> oh, what a correlation. <laughs> there it is. I have a deep affinity for Ewan McGregor. Stems, obviously, from the Obi-Wan Star Wars. But at that point in his career... To me, Ewan McGregor could do no wrong. Like, I literally anticipated the release of The Men Who Stare at Goats. <laughs> he's in that movie? Yes, he stars in that movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> I had no it's idea. It's him and George Clooney. It's I both knew of Clooney them. was in it. Oh, see, I knew George Clooney was in it also. I had no idea he was. It's not even a supporting role. <laughs> he's the star. The story's about him. George Clooney's a supporting actor. <laughs> I still, okay. That might be baffling to you, but I still somehow feel like my mind is more blown than yours right now. <laughs> He's really the star of the show. How did I not get that? But anyways, at this point in his career, Ewan McGregor, to me, could do no wrong. Like, he was doing... Uh, he did Big Fish. He did Moulin Rouge. I was just full on the Ewan boat. That's my that's my guy that... Where he goes, I will follow. I like it. That's a good one, too. He's one I, th- I think I'd like to watch more of his work. I don't think I've seen him in a lot, but I, I do appreciate him. No, and Michael Shannon, he's also, to an extent for me, in that category. I remember seeing him playing bit roles in, I don't know, Bad Boys 2. <laughs> he's one of those guys who definitely has a very, very extensive filmography. And I will say not all of it is great, but I think he's remarkable and stands out in every performance. Yeah, 100%. He was definitely, even in those little bit roles, like, oh, I recognize that guy. Exactly. He was a that guy for a while. And then he became the Michael Shannon. I remember watching him on uh, Boardwalk Empire with uh, Steve Buscemi, series on HBO. And that was when I really was like, okay, this guy, I'm going to see what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, I desperately need to check out Boardwalk Empire for that alone. I, I don't know why I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, the Iceman cometh yeah. as well. Yeah. Like He just plays cold and menacing so well, but because he plays cold and menacing so well, when it's something comedic, it lands all the better. It's almost like it, it gets over over the top, but in like a really good way. He still comes out like aggressive with his comedy, I think. Snort, what about you? How, how do you feel about the Shan Man? Okay, so I've had a very complicated relationship with Michael Shannon. I used to really not like Michael Shannon 
I don't know why. I just I just didn't like him and stuff. I just did not care for him. <laughs> Dan, I tried so hard for so long. Like if he was in a movie, like I just if he was the main guy, I just didn't want to watch it. I will say Nocturnal Animals is the exception, but I think partly due to Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. But then I have seen YouTube clips of like Michael Shannon in interviews and stuff. And he is hilarious. He is so funny as a person that it has changed my view of Michael Shannon. And now I feel like I really like Michael Shannon. Yeah, Michael Shannon is just a lovable doof of a giant in real life from anything that I've ever seen him uh, in as Michael Shannon and not the terrifying character that he generally plays. Yeah, he just doesn't give a shit. He's just who he is. I feel like when you look at, like, actors and you try to figure out, like, who's the most, like, genuine to how, like, you see them on, like, YouTube, like you did Snort, like, I think Michael Shannon, you know what you're going to get if you run into him. Like, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. And it's going to come across as hilarious, no matter what he says to you. <laughs> hey, what was that, uh, like, weather movie he was in? Oh, Take Shelter. Woo! Man, you want to see Michael Shannon at his absolute best? Man, watch Take Shelter. I think that was a help in making me like Michael Shannon also, is I really enjoyed that movie. I think he has an all-timer scene in that movie. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, well, Michael Shannon doing drama is the only thing that trumps him doing comedy. Because when that man breaks down and loses it, be it I'm fucking sad or I am fucking pissed, there's few people who can put that kind of raw emotion out there and make you feel terrified or empathetic. To put it in perspective, Michael Shannon is in a movie with Leo in which both of them have freakout scenes. And Shannon outshines the king himself. It is insane what this man can do. Uh, what movie was that? Uh, Revolutionary Road. Oh, oh yeah. Kate, I forgot about that Kate one. Winslet's in it. It's a nice little Titanic yeah. reunion. Also, David Harbour's in it. Yeah. Santa? <laughs> Santa himself. A lot of people on the naughty list in that movie. So, I know Michael Shannon could do comedy. I know Michael Shannon could do drama, both angry and sad. I'm really intrigued to know what Michael Shannon can do when he puts on a furry suit, though. I think there's there's no bounds to what he can accomplish. There's no stopping this man. Like like we said at the beginning, contextually, we have no idea what this episode is except for Michael Shannon Furry Christmas. So, in Violent Night format, we're going to try to figure out what the fuck's going on. Because I think I remember when this movie comes came out and hearing about it. And if I'm not mistaken, it's that he finds out his wife was cheating on him. They're getting a divorce. It's Christmas time. And I want to say he starts pretending to be Bigfoot in the woods. I, I think that's that's a big plot point in this. I think we get uh, Shannon schmucking it up throughout this little town, maybe. And I don't know if it's for, like, to, to draw tourists in. I want to say it's to draw tourists in to his little restaurant or something like that to keep himself going. What? Where? where so, okay, so Pottersville is probably the name of the town? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was maybe their last name or something. But, okay, so what state is this happening in? I'm going to go New Hampshire. That's, wow, that's a guess. I, uh... I'm going Washington. You're going Pacific Northwest? Yep. Okay. I'm going Wisconsin. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
Michael Shannon, Wisconsin sounds right for some reason. <laughs> the poster just looks so cold. I don't know. So many lakes. <laughs> so yeah, so we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that it's Michael Shannon. It's for a, there's maybe Bigfoot and it's maybe taking place in Wisconsin, Washington, or New Hampshire. It might just be the gift we end up unpacking the most this Christmas season. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll have a lot on the back side to talk about with what's going on in this episode. But we don't have a lot to talk about on the front side about what's going on in this episode. So I think we should just go experience this this Michael Shannon Christmas movie with Bigfoots and furry suits. Well, let's do it. Yeah, I'm sold. All right, let's go to Pottersville. And now, our feature presentation. Snart and John found the movie and got the snacks and we're back. And we just watched Pottersville. We now know the name. <laughs> and the plot. I mean, how do you even like put into words what this movie like is? I don't know, but we've got a second half of an episode, so we're going to have to fucking figure it out. <laughs> Okay, so Pottersville is a Christmas movie. I am going to say Christmas movie. Because it starts with a Christmas song. There's snow. And it ends with a very good Christmas spirit. And it's Christmas time and everybody's saying Merry Christmas. I would say on the scale of 1 to 10, this movie is like a... F- oh, I'll go up to a 6. Christmassy. Only because it does play a lot of Christmas music. But the plot doesn't really have anything to do with Christmas. Yeah, the fact that it's Christmas has no bearing on the plot for the most part up until the last, like, ten minutes. And then it's like, oh, it's because it's Christmas. Right, right. See, I don't know. If you kind of look at Bigfoot in this as Santa Claus, this is 100% a Christmas movie. And that's honestly kind of what my takeaway was, is Bigfoot just was Pottersville Santa. (laughs) See, I was considering during this movie how much more I might have enjoyed it if Ian McShane was hunting Santa Claus in the woods instead of Bigfoot. So I'm glad you made that correlation. (laughs) But the movie does start out, and we've got the Shan Man driving around town with Christmas songs going. And Michael Shannon is like this small-town grocer guy in this little town, and the town's having problems. The, The mill's shut down. It's your classic 1950s scenario. It was a very cute little grocery store, though. Very cute little town. It, it was. The scenes with Michael Shannon, like, behind the register in his little general store, all I could think was, like, Willy Wonka meets Wes Anderson. <laughs> I 100% went to, I feel like this looks like a chocolate factory kind of thing. Yeah, like, especially when he was leaning over giving the kid the candy. Like, something about the angling of that shot just reminded me <laughs> of the Candyman can. Dang, that's, that's absolutely perfect. I'm... I'm upset I didn't pick up on that because I, this movie reminded me of so many different movies at so many different times. But man, he was just so cute behind that counter. He really was. And he was genuinely sweet. And throughout this movie, Michael Shannon was just a, a sweet, sweet little lovable guy. Yeah, you just you can't help but to root for him. Yeah, and Judy Greer's rooting for him. Judy Greer in this movie is playing his employee, not his wife. Which when she first walked on, I'm like, oh, that's the wife that works at the general store. Yeah, I definitely thought she was the wife. I don't know why I had that just already decided in my head, but it was a pleasant surprise that she wasn't. Yeah, and I was dicking around on my phone through the credits, uh, doing a little bit of things, kind of to not watch the credits, just so I didn't, because like I only saw 30 seconds of the trailer, so I right, didn't know everybody right. that was in here. And when Ian McShane walked in as the, the trapper guy, 
I I just lit up. I love a movie with Ian McShane in it. I feel like I watch him do so many of the same roles in movies for some reason, but I love them all equally. This is like the hunter guy? Yeah. Okay. I I don't know who he is, but he was my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because he's just walking in off the street hawking meat to uh, Michael Shannon's <laughs> character. Just loose meat. Well, I love that he just he creates his own moonshine, and of course he's got a bottle on him at all times. Hey, you got to be prepared. It's cold out there, man. <laughs> and Michael Shannon receives said meat from Ian McShane and goes home early to go cook his wife dinner. A nice dinner, romantic times. And this is where the movie kind of goes, huh? Did we get a puppy? <laughs> and running up the stairs, did we get a puppy? To- oh, gosh. Michael Shannon, you lovable goofball, you. It's just, it's just brilliant. And, man, business picks up fast in this. We get straight to the furry action, like, pretty quick in this movie. Yeah, we've got furries within the first ten minutes easily. And... Again, looking at my phone through the credits, be it my surprise when one of these furries unmasks, and it's fucking Ron Perlman. We got two Frankensteins in this movie. It's just legitimately the gift that keeps on giving. Seeing this movie and now seeing the full cast, I have so many questions on how this thing even happened. (laughs) What was this table read like? Yeah, it just seemed like like a random group of people in this movie. Was this just like a giant, like, I owe you one to the director? Or was this like somebody's passion project? Because everybody really commits to the bit in this movie, 100%. This is somebody's, like, psychiatrist's kids movie, and the psychiatrist has all this dirt on all his actors. This is a blackmail film. (laughs) This this is Pottersville. (laughs) This is Pottersville. And even though it's a blackmail film... And it's maybe a six on the Christmas scale as a Christmas film. That I gotta say that watching Michael Shannon have the worst moment of his entire life, only for the soundtrack of that to be Alvin and the fucking Chipmunks. It's the funniest moment in this movie to me. It is just perfection. <laughs> Could you imagine that? You walked in, you caught your wife cheating, you go in the car, you're driving away, and the first thing you're hearing that will stick with you for the rest of your life is Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, man, the universe was really upset with him at this point. And he's really upset with the universe because he goes straight to the motherfucking moonshine for the first time since his wedding, the man is drinking, and bold move. Not really, whenever you think about it, if you just found out your significant other was a furry and you had no idea, I think I'd be going to the bar also. Yeah, I'd be going to the bar, but if I hadn't drank since I got married, I don't think I'd be going straight to some random hunter's moonshine. I'd start out with a light beer at least. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a (laughs) rational choice. You're just in shock mode. Yeah. At that point, it's just full-on fuck it. Yeah, but I gotta say, okay, so Michael Shannon's drunken acting in this scene was a little like how you would expect Zach Morris to act drunk in a high school Saved by the Bell type show. Yeah, weirdly enough, this is the second drunken Michael Shannon movie I've seen today alone. (laughs) Do we need to have a Michael Shannon intervention? (laughs) I might need help. And basing what I saw earlier to the Pottersville version, like, 
He was he was schmucking it up a little bit in this one. Yeah, but I gotta say, when he got the ghillie suit and he was drunkenly getting undressed and redressed, <laughs> that's probably the most realistic drunk I've ever seen because I've been there. Just getting home after a long night. You just want your clothes off. You want to be in bed. He sold the fuck out of that one. It, you know, his his descent into to Bigfoot madness is just something to just kind of be in awe over. For whatever reason, it gave me major Velocipaster vibes. <laughs> like, this is in the vein of, like, this is not a great movie. I understand that. But I love it for what it is. Well, like, I understand, you know, Michael Shannon's six foot 15 to inches tall, okay? <laughs> he's a big foot. I get it. But he's literally dressed, like, how in a pre-Andy Circus 1980s movie world, how somebody would be a gorilla. <laughs> I feel like it's even worse than that. It's, that's, like, high praise for his costume. <laughs> yeah, and because, okay... You're being a gorilla. You have the face mask and like the hand gloves, but you're telling me you don't have the bodysuit. You've got the hand gloves, but not the bodysuit. Hey. Yeah, what happened, Michael Shannon? Did somebody come in at Halloween and just go, I just need the gorilla body part. You can keep the gloves and the head. I got that stuff already. <laughs> Guys, look, Pottersville is clearly struggling here. We've addressed this. So it's turned into like the TJ Maxx. They're just shipping whatever didn't sell from Spirit Halloween that year. Whatever overstock you've got, we'll take it. We we need to sell something. But Michael Shannon takes to the fucking woods and people are buying this terrible gorilla suit and he's Bigfoot and he's drunkenly Bigfoot in the woods. And he goes to sleep and the next morning he finds out that a group of fucking stoners in the woods fucked this all up. <laughs> As they do. Fucking potheads. Fucking Potterville potheads. <laughs> the worst. Because now the news knows there's a squatch in town. But Michael Shannon being the, the good guy that he is, he wants to confess to the crime. He wants to, to, to slow all the hullabaloo down. So he goes and he talks to his good buddy Ron Perlman, who was furry, not banging his wife. Was he a squirrel or was he a wolf? Oh, he was a wolf. You see that? You see that fucking moon behind him? <laughs> Did you see the, the production designer for that office was like, oh yeah, this guy's a fucking wolf. <laughs> I realized that later in the movie. I just saw the painting. I was like, oh, that's nice. I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, big well old done. wolf statue <laughs> off to the side. But the sheriff's too busy. He's got television people calling in. He can't. He can't take... Michael Shannon's confession that the Bigfoot is him. So Michael Shannon's walking back to Pottersville and he runs into his furry bunny wife in the street and she ain't got no time to talk right now because she's fucking into Bigfoot. Like she's really, really into Bigfoot. <laughs> and like the furry stuff, okay, like no kink shaming, whatever. Furry stuff, cool. There is a weird subsection of, like, Bigfoot erotica in the world where people are really into that. Like, if you go on the Kindles and look up Bigfoot erotica, the amount of results is not zero by a long margin, and that's a little disturbing to me. I mean, how is that not bestiality? Well, I mean, because it doesn't exist. 
But if you yeah. have, if you have, Michael Beastiality. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I wrote a book about Dan fucking a unicorn, that's different, huh? I mean, not exactly. I don't think. I I'm not surprised that this is a thing that's out in the world. I just I don't know how to take that news. I guess. <laughs> well, there's only one way to take that news, and that's uh, the Bigfoot long hot dogs. The branding and marketing around this town was on fucking point. Yeah, they were so fast with it. They monetized the shit out of Bigfoot in this movie. Bigfoot ended up being like a local hero to this town. Yeah, in less than 24 hours, the 30 or so people that live in this town were like, all right, guys, we got a fucking game plan. We are Bigfootsville now. I mean, shoot, you guys have seen the internet. You have to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, but even there's, like, truth to this. Like, anytime we go anywhere that is, like, a quote-unquote Bigfoot kind of place, you know, there is so much fucking Bigfoot shit everywhere. People really are obsessed with Bigfoot. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> Check your Kindle. <laughs> no, thank you. But someone that's really into Bigfoot comes fucking flying in on a motherfucking helicopter, and that's Brent. All right, first off, let's talk about this helicopter. How the fuck do you get FAA clearance to land a helicopter in the middle of a fucking street? This pilot had to have had his license pulled. hundred fucking percent. And, like, nobody knew this was happening. The sheriff of town. That road's not closed. Did you see the population of Pottersville? I understand that, but that doesn't negate the fact that you're not allowed to just land a helicopter <laughs> wherever the fuck you want to. <laughs> Nobody is going to say a thing. They they look at this as an opportunity. This is their claim to fame. They can look past that. <laughs> well, something I can't look past is Tom Lennon doing a fucking Australian accent. Because I've seen a lot of movies where people do Australian accents, and I know he's not Australian. Fucking spoiler alert in this movie. But, jeez, that was a bad Australian accent. I'd like to think that it was meant to be a bad one for the sake of the movie, but it it 100% caught me off guard. Because, I mean, Tom Sunday, you know what you're going to get, and then he kicks in with that. <sighs> wow. Yeah, so Tom Lennon comes in, and he's like this uh, fucking Josh Gates, Bear Grylls, fucking pretend crocodile hunter type. Yeah, wannabe. <laughs> wannabe. And... I'm guilty of this. I, You know, I've watched my fair share of, like, monster shows on the History Channel for some reason. And, you know, I like somebody like Josh Gates. Like, Josh Gates comes out there on his, like, Expedition Unknown. He's like, yeah, this is all probably bullshit, but I'm going to travel here, and I'm going to eat at these restaurants and enjoy my time in this weird city. And then I'm going to look for your fucking Bigfoot for a little bit. But I never, like, liked the guys that were like, the the... Guy that Tom Lennon was pretending to right. be. Like the actual like Bigfoot Hunter TV shows. Like those people are really into it. Yeah, they're like really into yeah. it. Yeah, see, I, I enjoy like the hearing the stories and the lore of it, you know, but I don't I don't need to watch like someone really hunting for these things. Yeah, well Brent Tom Lennon's Brent character it's kind of a fucking tool. Kind of. <laughs> Full on pulling out the fucking guitar in the middle of the bar and singing his song about the Yetis type of tool. Yeah, I I was into him at first. And I think it's it's because the stupid Aussie accent it got me. 
But boy, howdy, I got over him pretty quick in this movie. Yeah, I was hoping that the ghost of John Belushi was going to bust out and take that guitar and smash it against the wall. <laughs> but we didn't get that. What we did get was Ian McShane kind of doing a Jaws Shaw type of thing. Honestly, I thought, like, when he scratched on the fucking thing, I was like, ooh, like, I got, like, pre-chills. <laughs> like, ooh, Ian McShane's going to be Shaw for a second. And then he did it, and I was like, oh, that wasn't as good as I really wanted it to be. His little speech about hunting Bigfoot was not the, for 10,000, I'll catch it. For 20,000, I'll kill it. Sharks in the water. Our shark. <laughs> See, I, I think I was also expecting, you know, some grand speech from him, but it's almost like they cut it short because they were just so focused on the famous guy there. They're like, yeah, you're the fucking drunken idiot. Get out of here with that bullshit. I was just hoping it would be a little bit more compelling. Like, not not for the people in the crowd, because obviously they're all in on Tom Lennon at this point, but, like, for me personally. <laughs> but at this point, I was really hoping that this movie was going to turn into kind of like a gritty, like, cat and mouse game with Ian McShane and Michael Shannon dressed up as Bigfoot. Like, they're both in the woods hunting each other. Like, if this movie took, like, a nice, like, mid-act two full twist... From, oh, it's Pottersville. There's a general store to fucking Rambo with Bigfoot in the woods between Michael Shannon and Amy McShane. Hands down my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, I gotta say that that was probably my biggest letdown. Is I, The forest scene, for how long as it was going and what it seemed like it was building to, it, how was it not an all-out war? Looking for Bigfoot. I thought we were gonna like be duking it out. And it didn't happen. One one trink shot is all it took. Yeah, the biggest all-out war that we got in the woods was Tom Lennon yelling at his lighting guy. <laughs> Which, I don't know if you picked that up. Did you pick that up? Like who it was based on? That was the pretty much word for word, the Christian Bale speech about okay. the F-bombs. That's where my mind went, but I wasn't yeah. sure. It was the Christian Bale speech. <laughs> <laughs> See, and in that scene... This movie just, I don't know, it had like the mockumentary kind of vibe to it. Anytime Thomas Lennon's character was there, it, it definitely seemed like it leaned into that that kind of genre. Yeah, and there were a couple little fun little like in things like that. The the scene where Thomas Lennon was in the hotel room and he kind of like dropped the act and he was being regular Thomas Lennon for a second. He's like, this is a face for movies. Yeah. And then it cut directly to Ron Perlman's face. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I fucking died. So clever. Great timing. Very cheeky. And at this point, Ron Perlman and Tom Lennon are teaming up to go find this Bigfoot. And the story kind of gets a little diluted at this point. It's going back and forth between the A plots and the B plots a lot unnecessarily, it felt. Yeah, it was at this point in time where I kind of started to lose interest a little bit. I was wanting more Michael Shannon kind of Bigfoot build up in this time, and we were getting less and less of that as it went. Yeah, I feel like for this being a Bigfoot movie, there there wasn't a lot of Bigfoot at all. Mr. Hammond, there's not a lot of Bigfoot in your Bigfoot movie? No. <laughs> Just a lot of talk. Yeah, and a lot of unawareness, because it seems like this town had a zombie problem. Not like actual zombie problems, but zombie problem in the fact that nobody has ever heard of Bigfoot in this town before, pretty much until this point, because everybody's acting like Bigfoot is like new information. Like, have you heard about this Bigfoot? People talk about him all over the place. We just got a carrier pigeon the other day. Well, look, they're believing that 
a man in a camouflage suit with a gorilla mask on is Bigfoot. I don't put it past him. Detective fucking Judy Greer over here opening the bag and seeing the Bigfoot suit and not putting two and two together until she walked down the street for a little bit. (laughs) Like, okay, you found a Bigfoot suit. I mean, first off, the whole town. You got two Bigfoot-looking motherfuckers in this town. You got Ron Perlman and Michael Shannon. How are you not suspects one and two? And Detective Judy Greer, you find a Bigfoot suit in the Bigfoot-looking motherfucker's (laughs) place. But it takes you literally a block and a half to have that snap realization to turn around and go confront him about it. Enough time for him to write a suicide note, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, I would have loved to know what he left on his little typewriter in there. Typing away like Tom Hanks in there. That, that was all I was thinking, Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that scene, too, made me think that the war was just about to begin. We were about to get some bloodshed of some sort. And during this whole time, the three fuckers in the woods, the Ian McShane, Ron Perlman, and Tom Lennon. The Monster Squad? Yep, we're going with that. Monster <laughs> Squad. Monster Squad out there. Here's something in the woods, so they go to investigate. And they stumble across... The Fergie in the woods. <laughs> and again, none of these people are using the Occam's razor fucking solution to this Bigfoot problem. Because now you've got the chief of police, the master hunter, and the monster hunter. The full monster squad out there. And there's 30 fucking people in fursuits in the woods. And the first thing you think isn't, maybe all these Bigfoot sightings could have been one of these weird fur people that's in the woods. <laughs> think the sheriff is one of these fucking fur people in the woods it didn't dawn on him once that oh maybe this is one of my tribe i should ask tom (laughs) he wears the gorilla suit on tuesdays like once again i completely get it though when you stumble upon something like that i mean as michael shannon kind of endured earlier in the film shock and awe that's all you really feel in that moment i mean unless you're tom lennon and then you're discovering something about yourself which I have a problem with because later in the movie, like, again, no kink shaming, whatever, man. If you're, if you're a furry, you do you, Big Bird, whatever the fuck you want. But Tom Lennon, man, you're flipping on a dime, dude. You got to that furgy and you were like, oh, yeah, this is fucking nice. I'll call you. We're going to do this later. And then when you're in front of everybody, you're like, you fucking freaks. <laughs> Not fucking cool, bro. I mean, if it's the character, he's fake as shit this whole time. Very true. But after the Fergie, Michael Shannon in the woods does dawn upon the monster squad. The monster squad shoots him with the tranquilizer dart. And none of these three, one of them a trained fucking professional officer of the fucking law. One of them a fucking master hunter. And one of them a guy that, I don't know, I'm sure he's run into a hoax here or there before. This guy's definitely gotten fooled more than once. I feel like his whole show is centered around hoaxes. How How is it not? But nobody thinks to check the Bigfoot that they shot. They're just like, this thing's six foot 15. It must be Bigfoot. Just roll him up. Give him the Halloween ends treatment. Let's take him to town. Parade him around like Michael Myers. Oh, see, I got a different thing watching the movie, though. I think that the hunter guy knew that it was a person when he shot him. Because when he's looking at him, you can see, like, a person. You could tell that it's a mask. So I think he he knew. Maybe that's why he allows Thomas Lennon's character to take the 
take the credit for it because he yeah, knows. Yeah. He doesn't mm. want to take credit for the fake Bigfoot. He's like, I'm out. Who would have thought Pottersville's got layers? <laughs> I don't know. Again, I still would have watched the other movie where Ian McShane knew that it was Michael Shannon in the outfit the whole time and knew how depressed Michael Shannon was and took Michael Shannon's life to rid him of his bird. Like the deep emotional cut between these two characters could have been so much better. Just like taking a dog out, out back. Sorry, Shannon, it's time. <laughs> exactly. Give Michael Shannon the old yeller treatment. <laughs> but that's not what happens. They Michael Myers him into town, like John said, and display him, and up, oh, it's Michael Shannon in a costume. Who the fuck knew? Not I. <laughs> I mean, this is a town of like 35 people. You couldn't have looked around and been like, all right, who the fuck's missing from here? Michael Shannon didn't, was he not on the phone tree about the Bigfoot capture? <laughs> and, and like you said earlier, Dan, I mean, with his large stature, you can't miss him. So the first thing that would stick out is, what? where's Maynard? What? And now everybody fucking hates Michael Shannon because he's a fucking hoaxer. And we're back to a Christmas movie. Because after this all happens, the wrap-up is that we find out Michael Shannon, who at the very beginning was like taking tabs on people because he's a little general store owner, was being nice the whole time and never actually taking tabs from people and just giving them what they needed when they needed it and relying on them to be honest, loving humans and pay it back when they could. And like, I didn't understand this whole end bit with everybody coming in to give him the money. Cause like, I understand the gesture that's cool and all, but it's not like he was like closing up shop because he was broke. Like, he was doing pretty fucking... I saw those deposit bags. <laughs> pretty hefty. He was doing pretty good. And he wasn't just getting sued. He was going to have to split that lawsuit with the other 79 people in town or whatever. So it's not like he was really hurting for money that much. I mean, I think everybody should have held onto their pockets because they're all getting sued by Thomas fucking Lennon at this point. Maybe that's why they gave him all the money. They want him to front the bill. But, like, the gesture, like, you, they, everybody could have just, like, been outside, like, caroling for him as he was loading out his last box. You know, like, why is the financial aspect? Is it because it's fucking America? Probably, yeah. There needs to be money exchanging hands on Christmas. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not Christmas. It's Christmas tradition. And then Tom Lennon gets fired. Michael Shannon fucks his employee. And they open a Bigfoot museum. Merry Christmas. Jingle bells all the way. I think I'm still trying to digest this whole thing, honestly. There's so many things that I love. There's so many things that I question. There's so many things that I just, huh? Did I like this? Did I hate it? We're, I'm dying to know what Snort thinks. Well, guys, I didn't like this movie. I just thought it was, like, kind of boring, really. Like, okay, for this being, like, an hour and a half, man, it was a long hour and a half. <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't know. Just not feeling this one. Yeah, I liked certain things about the movie, and I didn't dislike the movie, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to, thinking Michael Shannon Furry's Bigfoot Christmas. I think to touch on kind of what I got into a little bit earlier tonight is Michael Shannon makes movies better. And I think if you take Michael Shannon out of this movie... It's almost unwatchable. I do appreciate Judy Greer. Towards the end, I thought she was great. But it was the Michael Shannon aspect that, that pulled me in. And if you just cut out the middle where he's just gone, then I love this thing. 
just him running around as Bigfoot. It's fantastic. I'm with you on that 100%. Michael Shannon definitely kept this movie fucking together. And without him, this movie would have been terrible. But I really would have loved to see the A24 version of this story and where it would have been with Michael Shannon at the same time. This would have been a horror movie, 100%. (laughs) See, and I could maybe be into something like that. So, all in all, still valid as a Christmas movie. I'm going to chalk it up, technically. But I don't think it's going to make my Christmas rotation. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I unfortunately agree. But hey, if it's our whole like weird Christmas little vibe we've got going currently. Yeah, we're just doing a little Christmas sampler. We're just feeling it all out. Seeing what's going on around there. But I'm still very glad that I watched it because I got to experience Michael Shannon being... Michael Shannon, adorable. And it felt very... Hallmarky and weird at the same time. Yeah, this is definitely like the weirdest Hallmark movie I've ever seen. But damn it, yeah, it was touching at times. A little too Hallmarky at times. All right, and that was our trip to Pottersville. All right, folks. Well, coming up next week, we've got a John pick coming up, and we kind of found ourselves in almost the gift of the Magi situation there, where John and I were trying to give each other the same gift at the same time. So. You're going to have to probably wait till next week to find out about that. John, you want to give a little teasties? Uh, I would say that it uh, pairs with Violent Night pretty well. I do like a good pairing. Mm-hmm. A little Christmas sampler, like you said. So this is just like the little saltwater bath or whatever in between the two courses that's just bland as hell so that you can enjoy the other two so much more? Our palate cleanser? Yeah, yeah, but flavorless. Completely fa- flavorless. Yeah. Potterville is flavorless. <laughs> That's fair. It's an astute way to put it. Desaltine. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like saltines a lot, though. Yeah, I'd rather eat a sleeve of saltines than watch Potterville again. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what present you're going to bring next week, John. Even though I know what it is because we tried to give it to each other already. And I already said that, so we're going to go with that. I think it's one that all three of us will really enjoy. Because I know Snort's pretty excited, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, but that is going to do it for this week. If you want to find out what gift we're going to be opening next week for John's present, make sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Teach Cinema Podcast. And if you could go and give us five stars, leave a review, tell a friend on all of the platforms, that would be really appreciated. Yeah, and that's going to do it for this week. So make sure you come back next week and follow along with our Christmas special. And if you see three people... Wait, what the fuck is that? Is that a fucking Bigfoot in the woods? What the fuck? But we're really, really high. (laughs) Come over and say hi. That might just be us. Okay, bye. Bye. You didn't know that either? No, because I feel like I can picture the movie poster and all I see is George Clooney. All right, are we in a... Whoa.
Are we in a Mandela effect? Are we in a Mandela? Is there a George Clooney movie poster for this, and that's why that's in our heads? Is okay. Is Matt Damon in this movie? No, Matt Damon's not in this movie. What am I thinking of? What the? You're thinking of the Born Identity. No, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jason Bourne. No, no, Jason Bourne's an angel named Loki. Sorry, sorry, excuse me. Canonically, thank you, Kevin Smith. Okay. Storm report this just in. I'm looking at the Men Who Stare at Goats movie poster, and it is some. Oh God! It's a one, two, three, four guys' face in this order. So the it's the color yellow. The one you can see the most, the whole face, is George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's Jeff Bridges. Oh. Then it's Ewan McGregor, and then. Damn, it's Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Ooh. Womp womp. Let's take off the last quarter of that. <laughs> but then there's a goat after him. Yeah, poor goat. Oh. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways. I mean, he's Obi-Wan fucking Kenobi. I know, I know. That's all I know him as. That's all he needs to be in my heart. I really want to see Train Spotting. I've never mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah, I'm very good. Side note: I really want yeah. to watch that. Stay tuned for a highly recommends. this in a weird way like a serial killer vibe for michael shannon not like in the killy way but he just wanted to like chase that bigfoot high he was more more about pleasing the people and i don't know it just like a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know like the serial killer tendencies like more more on the chasing like the killing high he's chasing that he's being told in in the situation now like it's probably like a deadly game to go back out there as Bigfoot. And what does this motherfucker do? I do it for the people. Suits right back up. He's a fucking hero. Just in the same way, a serial killer wants to keep getting that article. Like, oh, guess who's loose again? Yeah. It's Ted. <laughs>